Amen. I got to hear that at the 8, the 9.15, and now the 10.30, and the Lord has spoken every single time. Next Sunday, you could come to all three services. The same ticket that gets you in at the 8 gets you in at the 9.15 and the 10.30. I'm so glad that you're here. Open your Bibles with me to Proverbs 3. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. So we're in a sermon series titled, This is How We Family. This is how we family. And so last week, let me take you back to last week because this morning's sermon is the final aspect of last Sunday morning's sermon. So last Sunday morning, we were in that best-known Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And if you remember, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so we talked about how verses 7, 8, 9, and 10 explain verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make straight your path. That's 5 and 6. Well, so how can I know if I'm truly trusting in the Lord with all my heart? Well, verses 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, explain it. Verses 7 and 8, be not wise in your own eyes, Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. In other words, intellectual humility. Intellectual humility is a way of knowing if you're truly trusting in the Lord. Intellectual humility, which means I don't lean on my own understanding. I don't try to think, well, this is what I think I ought to do. But instead, I submit whatever knowledge I have, I submit that to the knowledge of the Lord. Whatever wisdom I have, I submit that to the wisdom of God. I base any wisdom I have on his wisdom. That's intellectual humility. Here's the second way of knowing that you're truly trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord first with your material wealth. Honor the Lord first with your produce. In other words, I will truly know I'm trusting the Lord when I say, Lord, everything I have belongs to you. Lord, I believe, I trust you that you're going to be my provider. And so, Lord, I can submit everything that I have under your authority, under your rule. Honor the Lord first. That's how you'll know you're really trusting the Lord. Well, here's the third one. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. My son... Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Here's the third way of knowing whether or not you're truly trusting the Lord. You accept the Lord's discipline. All right, so first of all, intellectual humility. I submit my mind unto the Lord. Base my knowledge on his knowledge. Second of all, I submit my material wealth under his rule. Lord, everything I have, I trust it to you. Number three, I accept God's discipline in my life. And so let's talk about what does that mean? Because oftentimes when we go through trials and afflictions, that may be God's discipline on your life. And oftentimes, whenever we're going through something hard, we say, oh, God, I don't want this. Get me out of this as quickly. as so I, do, I don't want to go through any hardships. And the scripture says, don't despise the Lord's discipline. 
learn to accept and to trust the Lord. Lord, this is hard. I don't know why we're going through it, but I trust you. Accept the Lord's discipline. All right? So before we pray, look at Hebrews 12. I want you to look at Hebrews 12 with me. And it's because the writer of Hebrews quotes exactly the passage that we just read. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 3. Hebrews 12, verse 3. Listen to what the scripture says. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of, of shedding blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Now look at it. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the joy of getting to worship together, to sing, to pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the word of God. Lord, this is where we find truth. Lord, I pray that people wouldn't hear my opinions this morning, but they would hear the word of God. Father, I pray for the Holy Spirit to speak through me. I pray for our ears to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, that we would be changed under your authority. That, Lord, we wouldn't lean on our understanding, but on yours. We would commit everything that we have to you and, Lord, that we would understand what a joy it is that our God disciplines us because he loves us. And so, Lord, I pray that today someone would begin a journey of following Christ. I pray for hearts to be recommitted to you. And, Lord, add to us and call out from us. And we thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, when you read Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, you can't miss a truth right from the word go, and that is God disciplines. Look at it again with me at Proverbs 3, verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. There's the first time it's mentioned. Or be weary of his reproof. That means his correction. There's the second time. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. There's the third time, three times. King Solomon couldn't make it any more clear to us. God disciplines us. All right, so here's the first thing that will help us in understanding what does it mean that God disciplines? Who does God discipline? Well, if you look there again at verse 11, it says, my son. Okay, so that's King Solomon writing to his son. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Look at the last phrase in verse 12. It says, as a father, the son in whom he delights. And so please hear this. God disciplines his children. Do everyone hear that? Just the same way that we do. If you're ever at a store and you see a child acting up and it's not your child, did anyone ever go over, you stop doing that right now. I'm telling you, I'm going to take you to the car. Okay, we don't do that. Someone else's child. God disciplines his children. Well, okay, well, we've got to understand something really important here. From the standpoint that we are all created in the image of God, we are all knitted together by God in our mother's womb, 
well, then we're all children of God. Now, hang on, listen, everyone listen to what I'm saying. From the standpoint that we're all created in the image of God and we're all knitted together by God in our mother's womb, we are all children of God. Despite, regardless, regardless of race, ethnicity, skin color, male or female, we are all created in the image of God. Amen? We're all created in the image of God. We all came from Adam. Regardless, we are all children of God because we're created by God. We're knitted together by God. But listen to me. But there's something about becoming a child of God. In John chapter 3, it's what Jesus means by being born again. From the standpoint of creation, yes, we're all children of God. But in Christ we become a true son or daughter. We become a true child of God. It's what the gospel writer John means in John chapter 1 when he writes, but to all who received him, that means Jesus, but to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God, born not of blood, Born not of flesh, born not of the will of man, but of the will of God. And so, folks, who does God discipline? Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and are followers of Christ. That's who God disciplines. And if you're thinking, well, then I guess we need to go back to being uh, under condemnation. No, no, no. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, when we were alienated from Christ, when we were apart from Christ, we were children. You know who we were children of? Ephesians 2 says we were children of wrath. And so I don't want to go back to that. So, Lord, thank you that you disciplined me because that means I belong to you. All right, so God disciplines. God disciplines his children. Hebrews 12 says, God's treating you as sons. So here's now why we understand why does God discipline? God disciplines you as his son so that you will be more like his son. That's the whole goal of discipline. If you want to know what the goal of discipline is, God desires for his children to become more like his only begotten son. God is disciplining you in order to draw you closer to himself. Folks, discipline is never meant to push us away from God. Discipline is meant to draw us closer to God. Discipline shows us the heart of God, his care and concern for us. And so please hear this, hear everyone, listen to what I'm about to say. If in any way you've ever been abused in your life, If you're in an abusive situation now, if you're in an abusive spousal relationship, that is not God's discipline or godly discipline. Amen? Please get out of that. Talk with someone. Get help. We are to understand that God does discipline. But he disciplines us as his own sons because he's trying to raise us up to be more like his son. As a matter of fact, if we were to take the word discipline right here in Proverbs 3, 
In verse 11 where it says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. In the Hebrew, it's the word musar, M-U-S-A-R. You want to know what that word literally means? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2, it says, to know wisdom and musar, or instruction. The word that we translate discipline literally means instruction. God is instructing you. God is guiding you. God is leading you. He reproves. He corrects. He's keeping us. He desires to keep us on the path, becoming more like his son. We are being transferred from one degree to the next to the glory of his son. Romans 8, 29, he is conforming us to the image of his son. And so everyone listen. So point number one, God disciplines and he gives us the model for what our discipline is to look like. And so every discipline that we exercise on a a child or a grandchild, great-grandchild, every discipline that we go through with someone is in order to bring them closer to God. It is meant in order to help that person become more like Christ. That's the whole goal. We're instructing, guiding, teaching. This is how we discipline. All right, so let's, let's understand then the pattern. How does discipline work best? A, self-discipline. Self-discipline. Before I exercise discipline on anyone else, I need to make sure that I have gone through self-discipline. It's what Paul means in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 when Paul writes, I discipline myself. I discipline my body so that I will not be disqualified from preaching to others. It's what James means when he says, submit yourselves unto the Lord. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Wash your hearts, purify your hearts, you double-minded. We are to go through self-discipline. You know what? At the beginning of the year, oftentimes we think about living a more disciplined life. We say, I need to start going to bed earlier. I need to wake up earlier. I need to eat better. I need to work out more. And so we think I need to be more disciplined. But oftentimes we stop at physical disciplines and don't understand that if we would become more disciplined in the spiritual disciplines, the physical discipline will follow. Everyone hear that? We've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then everything else will be added. If I'm putting more emphasis on my physical body, I'm being disciplined in my physical body and neglecting the spiritual, I can assure you it won't work. It'll be of no value. But instead, self-discipline, becoming more disciplined in the spiritual disciplines. Here's the way John Newton put it. John Newton is the, one, the man who wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. John Newton says, when people are right with God, now everyone listen, when people are right with God, they are more apt to be hard on themselves and easy on others. When people are not right with God, they tend to be easy on themselves and hard on others. And boy, that is so true. Self-discipline. 
You guys, I know I'm a long ways away from raising my own sons, but yet here's what I found. You, you raise them all your life, all your life, all their life. You keep, you desire for them to be more like Christ, just like I desire that in my own life. And so as I reflect back on raising our sons, uh, here's what I'll tell you is the truth I found in my life. And so I want you to picture, I got to bed late the night before, and so now it's the next morning, the alarm goes off, and I don't want to get up. I'm still tired because I messed around last night and didn't go to bed when I should have gone to bed. And so now I haven't woken up when I should have woken up. And so now I'm running behind this morning, and I'm forgetting to grab stuff that I need to get, and I'm flustered, and I'm frustrated, and all this is going on. And so now I'm getting in the car with the boys to take them to school. And one boy says something like, Dad, do you know what we're having for supper tonight? What do you mean? What are we having for supper tonight? We just ate breakfast. Why don't you be happy with breakfast? Okay, let's try a little gratitude. And my son's like, wow, where did that come from? You know where it came from? My lack of self-discipline. The more I discipline me, I have found the less I had to exercise discipline on my children. That's what it means by self-discipline. Self-discipline then helps build up parental discipline. Because parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, we are to discipline. We are. And I want you to know, discipline, please hear this, discipline's almost always painful. Now, folks, a lot of times when we hear the word discipline, we immediately go to physical response or physical restraint, like grabbing hold of the child and holding on to them. Listen, that's that's not where our mind's immediately supposed to go, and it's because the word means instruction. Parents, we are to discipline our children the way God disciplines us. God never abuses me. God never abuses me. Parents, our discipline is to be modeled after God's discipline, starting with self-discipline, and then that leads to parental discipline. So parents, absolutely, we are to guide. You are to be their mom and dad So many times when we try to be, well, I just want to be your best friend. I want to be your buddy. I want to be your pal. We've got to be a parent. That's how we guide. That's how we instruct. That's how we teach. Parental discipline is so important. Self-discipline, parental discipline, church discipline. Church discipline means that we are to teach one another. We are to instruct one another. We are to correct one another, starting with self-examination, parental, church. And again, isn't it interesting how they all work together? The more we exercise self-discipline, as a matter of fact, one way I've heard it put, the more you exercise confession, the, more, the less God exercises correction. The more whenever I sin, I confess that sin to God, I agree with God, then the less I have to go through God's correction. Self-discipline, 
parental church discipline. The more we self-discipline, we find that, you know, the less we parental discipline we do, the more parental discipline we do, the less church discipline we have to do. And so let's take three aspects of this that I want you to understand. Martin Luther, years ago, he said, there are three things that God uses to teach us the deeper truths about himself. And so watch this on the screen. One of them is called Oratio. Martin Luther says God uses oratio, which if you look at that word, it looks like oratory, which means speaking, which means God uses prayer. When we speak to God, God speaks to us. That's prayer. God teaches us deeper truths about himself through prayer. Martin Luther said, and this is all based on Psalm 119. Martin Luther says God also uses meditatio, which if you look at that word, it looks like meditation, which means the more I'm into God's word, the more I meditate on God's word, God teaches me about himself through God's word. But listen to the third way that God teaches us. Martin Luther said it's through tentatio, which is where we get our word tense, tension. Whenever there's tension inside of me, that means there's an agonizing internal struggle that's going on. And Martin Luther says, God uses tentatio, uses tension to teach us deeper truths about ourselves. Psalm 119 verse 67 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before God corrected me, here's why he corrected me. I went astray, but now I keep his word. You see, there are times when we go through afflictions in life, trials, God is teaching us. God is instructing us. And Martin Luther says God is using that to teach you deeper truths about himself. So here's number two. Discipline is an act of love. God reproves those whom he loves. Discipline is always meant to be an act of love. Folks, listen, I, I, my wife and I, we would exercise discipline with our sons. We would correct, we would instruct, we would teach. And I always wanted that son, when we concluded, son, you know I love you. And son, I hope that through this, you understand I do love you. Folks, we always heard that old saying, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And please know that ought to absolutely be true. It shouldn't be a trite saying. But instead, I love you so much that in taking this privilege away, son, I know that that's painful. But please know I love you. Discipline is always an act of love. So that's why King Solomon says, don't despise the Lord's discipline. He's doing it because he loves you. If you were to boil that down, here's what King Solomon says. Don't hate the fact that God loves you. Children, don't despise the fact that your mom and your dad love you. And so a son would go down the street, ride his bike. And, and we would say, when you get down there, call us to let us know you're down there. Well, as children gain more confidence, we started phone calls maybe didn't happen. And so on one occasion, son came home. Son, listen, let's do this. Next time, if you don't call, 
Son, I, I love you. I just want to make sure you're down there okay. If, if you don't call, I'm going to drive down there, and, and you'll have to come home. We'll load your bike up, and we'll come home. And I, I know that you'll want to be with your friend. I know that you'd want to continue playing. But, son, if you don't call, I'm going to come get you. Folks, listen. You know what had to happen. And I hated that. I didn't want to go down there and say, son, you got to come home. I didn't want to do that. I know it's painful to him, but I'm doing it because I love you. Son, I want you to be like Christ. I want to guide you towards our heavenly father, and that's why I'm doing this. And so here's the last thing. Delighting and disciplining go hand in hand. I love how the passage ends. My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline because it's what a father to his son in whom he delights. Disciplining and delighting go hand in hand. Folks, my child ought to know that I delight in them far more than they know that I discipline them. Please hear this. If it's at the point, if it's at the point where you don't praise your children nearly as often as you're pointing out things that they're doing wrong, then we've got it backwards. Because my God does discipline me, but I want you to know far more than that, I know he delights in me. And so yesterday afternoon, I got to do a wedding ceremony and I got to pronounce that biblical blessing over the couple. The Lord bless you and keep you. Listen to the second one. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Did you know that it's a picture of those times whenever we've had our kids or grandkids and all the adults are standing around and the child is sitting there in the middle of the floor and you just stand there and just watch them. What'd you do yesterday? Everything, nothing and everything. We just set the child in the middle of the floor and just stood there and stared at him. It's because we delight. The Bible says, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. I want you to know God delights in his children. The last phrase of that prayer says, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. I started to ask Ben and Meredith before the service if I could borrow Luca. And it's because that last phrase is a picture of God taking a baby and lifting, lifting us up as his child. The Lord will lift up his countenance upon you. Can you picture God just delighting in us? Delighting and disciplining. They go hand in hand. We've got to trust him. That Lord, this is painful what I'm going through right now. But I know you love me. And so 
If today you have never believed in Jesus Christ, if you have not been born again, don't leave today without experiencing the delight of our Father. Experience the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of eternal life. It may be you need to recommit your heart to the Lord, or it may be the Lord's leading you here to be a part of this church family. You come. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, bless your holy name. Lord, I pray that in this invitation, your will would be done in every heart. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?